We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Lines and lineups. Holding Kushner here. we got five games. We'll go down just like we do in uh, DFS, but first we'll get to the betting side of things. Lines and lineups with me. And we got Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider, who is literally locked in a closet. Grant Neifer from Roto-Grinders. We'll get the DFS perspective from him. K-Rods, you're on fire in college basketball, as I see on Vegas Insider. Uh, so what is on you? A trip to what? The uh, recyclables closet. What the hell are you doing today? Yes, uh, due to some meetings here at our offices at Vegas Insider in South Florida. Also, we're moving. We're kind of in transition. So I needed to find the only place that I can have quiet. And this is the only place that's quiet. So I apologize for the setup. But really, it doesn't matter. You think I'm, you know, it's not like Holden sitting in front of the Capitol either. You know, it's not making it out to be that. I don't even live look at here Grant anymore. Too. I mean, look at you guys. I don't live in D.C. We both live in Denver, but we didn't want to get new backgrounds. So he's got Seattle there. All right, screw it. Let's get into this game. <laughs> these games. Uh, before we do that, if you're watching on our YouTube uh, stream, make sure you hit like because you love us so much and then subscribe as well. So that's what we're doing. Like, subscribe, our Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. Bears-Packers, Rams-Dallas, Houston-Tennessee, Atlanta-San Francisco, then Sunday Night Football. We'll do a showdown slate for DFS, and then we'll get uh, Kevin's take on Buffalo at Pittsburgh. So, guys, let's start with this. we got a 1 o'clock game, Chicago at Green Bay. Packers open seven-point favorites. Why the huge line move, K-Rodge, down to um, the Packers laying four-and-a-half and and then the over-under at 41? That's a pretty significant move here. Well, I mean, you look at number one with the Bears, that uh, they were left for dead for a while, and now they've come back to life. It's probably too little too late at this point at seven and six for them. And last time they played the Packers, we remember that game back in week one. It wasn't pretty, and Green Bay won 10 to three at Soldier Field. I mean, you look at it from the one perspective that the Bears did a pretty good job defensively holding the Packers just the one touchdown, but also the Bears could do nothing offensively in that game but a little bit of a drop here and the Packers a four and a half five point favorite depending on 
where you look and Chicago coming off of this win over Dallas last week, they've quietly won four or five. I, I, I mean, no one's talking about this Bears team and what they've been able to do of late. And now they're heading to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers, who coming off a, a loss to Washington or a win rather against Washington, a non-cover where they won twenty to fifteen. And look, the Packers the last uh, few weeks they've beaten teams that they should be beating, the Giants and Redskins. But at the same time, when you look back at it for Green Bay, you kind of wonder, you know, are they fooling us a little bit? Because let's go back through some of their wins, Holden. They beat the Redskins, who we know aren't very good. They beat the Giants, who are mired in this long losing streak. They beat Carolina, who we see now is totally falling apart. They beat Kansas City on the road without Mahomes. That was a game that the Chiefs were down early, came back and took the lead, went back and forth. The Packers still wanted Arrowhead, but no Mahomes. They beat Oakland. They beat Detroit, a game they should have lost. They beat Dallas, who we see isn't very good. So really for Green Bay, give me the good win for them. And, and that's where for the Packers, you know, you're not too sure because they were blown out by San Francisco. They were blown out by a not-so-great Charger team. And that's where I kind of question with Green Bay moving forward that uh, where's that really good win for them? Well, what you're hoping is is that uh, Trubisky continues to run the ball like he did last week. And you're hoping he doesn't turn the ball over a whole bunch. Basically, it's your faith in Trubisky as opposed – for me, it's my faith in Trubisky as opposed to my faith in Green Bay. And you ask me, I'm betting against uh, Trubisky. Now, is it, is it enough to go four and a half? I don't know, but it was obviously too much uh, to lay seven. Well, but also, too, just going to the total size to jump ahead um... – we saw a few times last week, and it seems like this has worked in the past, but it depends on on the situation. We saw three divisional matchups this past week in the NFL, uh, a rematch of the first time. Throw out Dolphins-Jets because it really wasn't a convincing score the first time around to go this angle as far as going the opposite way. Atlanta-Carolina was low-scoring, high-scoring game second time around. Rams-Seahawks, high-scoring game, low-scoring the second time around. And the third game that I am right now blanking on that I have to find was, oh, it was Detroit-Minnesota. That was 42-30 the first time around and then went low scoring the second time. So the point is here, 10-3 the first time with Green Bay and Chicago. You wonder now if it's going to move up a little bit. You're going to see some more scoring. And we've seen Chicago. And granted, uh, the argument with Green Bay, I said that they weren't beating anybody. I know Chicago really hasn't had a lot of great wins either. But at least Chicago's offense has produced a little bit more the last few weeks, so that's a positive. I'd almost rather look at the over of 41 more so than the side in this game, just because I think that after seeing each other the first time around, that these teams, you know, the limited preseason snaps for these guys, that maybe now we see both these teams get in the 20s. All right, Grant, let's get to the DFS side of things. I'm just going to go with the DraftKings um, prices here. Devontae Adams didn't have a great game. Week one against Chicago, I'm going to wipe that off the books. Aaron Jones, he can win you a week. Allen Robinson tore up Green Bay. He's been a he's been a fairly consistent option. There's Rodgers. There's Trubisky. There's Miller. There's Tariq Cohen and Montgomery. Do you see any of these players falling into your GPP pool? Uh, so the first guy that I think would fall in my GPP pool is going to be Aaron Jones. Going up against Chicago is not really the greatest match in the world for most positions, but a pass catching running back like Aaron Jones is actually kind of beneficial. They give up a large volume of targets to opposing running backs. Aaron Jones, over the last two weeks, seven targets, six targets. He can get it done in the receiving game, and he can absolutely get it done in the red zone and end up with a few touchdowns. So he's a guy that could potentially have 30-point upside in any given matchup, and this one with his high volume of targets is another one that could happen here. Not going to draw a lot of ownership because Chicago is a tough defense, so I think he's the first guy you can look at. Next guy is Devontae Adams. I know it's not a good matchup, but he's a guy that can get 10, 12 targets in the spot, and Rodgers will throw to him consistently and can throw to Often, uh, he has some red zone equity, so a 10-target, two-touchdown game is not out of the question there. So both of those guys are in my tournament pool, but I don't know if they are the mainstay, anywhere close to a mainstay in there. And the last guy, Tariq Cohen, if we are expecting Chicago to be trailing later on this game, Green Bay not great versus the run, and they give up a decent volume of targets to opposing running backs here. Cohen, we know, can get heavily involved in the receiving game. and can break off a large run. He really hasn't done it so far this year. and hasn't had a breakout 
game. But we know that it's absolutely within the realm of possibilities with his offense doing a little bit better, Trubisky playing a little bit better. We could absolutely see him with a decent game in this one. Outside of that, just really not a whole lot that I want to go with. Green Bay's been pretty good versus the pass. Robinson has been good recently. I think he still is in play, but not really someone that I want to roster. I just don't see him really getting it done here. It's in the probability of outcomes, but not a guy I want to go with. So really for me, it, it's just Adams and it's Jones and it's strictly playing for their upset. I don't think I'm going with Rodgers. I don't think I'm playing Trubitsky. Both of them are priced where they should be for this matchup. So not a whole lot in this game, considering it's a, one of the largest slates we've had all season. So you don't really need to go with any game in particular. I think this one's mostly a cross-off. What about Anthony Miller? Anything there? Six, six, and nine, and three targets. Uh, so, like in the five to six and a half K range, there's way too many other good wide receiver options on mm-hmm. the slate. I've already looked through everything, and so I don't think he ends up making the cut. I know that he's been had some good games recently. I know he's put up ten points in four straight, and he had a twenty-six point game in there. But I just don't see him going with a big spot here. And there's so many other options on this slate in the five to six and a half K range where there's very few possible outcomes where he's the guy that ends up winning you GBP. Hey, um, K Raj, just real quick on the game total there. Again, it's at 41. You know, you were talking about maybe a difference from the first game to the second game, a big swing really for a lot of different games last week. But there is some data that the second meeting individual individual matchups usually does go under. I mean, are people – do you have any take on that? And then, I mean, the first game ended at 13. 41's a low total. Do you read into that? If, if it is so low, maybe that's the way to go? I mean, when you go the first time around, Holden, and you see what the total was between these two teams, it was 47. So now you're dropping at six points. And I think they're, you know, we probably overshot it the first time around, considering they're they're both pretty good defenses. And again, that first Thursday night game where you get nothing from the preseason. So these guys just feeling each other out. And you had the one touchdown and the Bears had some opportunities in that game. Last year, I, I guess to go to your point, in the first meeting between these two, if you guys remember, that was the game that Chicago had the 20 to nothing lead at Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. He came back in the second half, and the Packers won 24 to 23. The game went over the total of 45. The second matchup at Soldier Field went under 46 and a half on a 24 17 game uh, won by Chicago. So that one actually a, to- a point and a half higher than the first one. Now you're dropping six points. I just think that these teams will find a way to maybe get to 24-20, 23-20, 23-19, somewhere in that range. I just I just find it hard to believe to think this is going to be a 17-10 game the second time around. And, you know, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, at least his two worst performances so far have come out west against the 49ers and the Chargers, where it's a tough adjustment going out there, staying in the central time zone. I think the offense will be fine. And Trubisky – we joke about him. He's not great, but the offense has been better. So I got to think that it's not asking too much to get to that number. Yeah, as long as they uh, they run Trubisky a little bit, I think that offense will be just fine. Hey, real quick, Grant, when you look at games with uh, low totals, you could even go back to Monday Night Football with the Eagles and the Giants. I mean, it looked like a bunch of garbage. On paper, the weather was bad, but this is always a way to differentiate yourself a little bit. If you found, if you landed on Slayton, if you landed on on Ertz, if you played that Thunder, uh, Thursday to Monday slate or Sunday Monday slate, there's still guys that are probably going to give you a little bit of leverage going to these low low total games. Yeah, no, it absolutely can happen. I think like totals obviously are not just basically 50% ends up slightly over, 50% ends up slightly under. There's a massive range of out, uh, outcomes and. Like, the Giants game was more about the fact that, like, the Giants and the Eagles both are teams that can give up massive plays at any given time. So it's just how many of those massive plays are going to happen. A lot of times it's zero. Sometimes it's two or three. So a guy like Slayton that goes off for a massive play and ends up with a touchdown, it, it can happen. Getting leverage on games are finding spots where there is a low-owned guy with a massive ceiling. I just don't see it too much in this game outside of Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams, two guys with massive amounts of talent that can break off giant plays for against any team. Uh, we're going to get to the Rams and Dallas in just a second. want to remind everybody watching us on YouTube right now, like and subscribe to the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. 425 Rams at Dallas. 
this was a wild one here. Um, Dallas opened four-point favorites. I don't know if this was a look-ahead line, but this is a pick em. I mean, obviously, looking at what the Rams did on Sunday night, they looked very uh, impressive. We got an over-under of 48.5 for 49. Let's start with the total here. Why the movement? Well, it goes back to this, Holden, and I think that uh, a lot of people don't know this, but that opening line comes out about a week or 10 days or so before, and it gets released if that's coming from the Westgate Superbook out in Las Vegas. So obviously we see a lot of movement with it just because the Rams played so well against Seattle Sunday night, and we see the, the, the train wreck that Dallas is right now. And now this is very fair that the Cowboys – should not be favored or be a pick at least against a Rams team that has stepped it up and now has come back from maybe not being a playoff team to being right in the mix of the wild card. And the Rams at eight and five off a nice win over Seattle on Sunday night. And they've won three or four. They've been excellent defensively. I mean, I know you could say throw out one game, the Baltimore game and Baltimore's destroyed everyone or at least beaten everyone over the last two months. But the Rams, though, allowed 12 to Seattle, which included a pick six, allowed seven to Arizona, seven to Chicago, 17 to Pittsburgh, 10 to Cincinnati, 10 to Atlanta, even 20 to San Francisco. So this is a nice stretch where they had one clunker against the Ravens, who have been outstanding, and the Rams' defense has really stepped up. And at least offensively, they've been better after they slumped for a few weeks. And then you look at Dallas, and – you know, right now, how can you make a case for them? It's really tough considering what happened against Buffalo on Thanksgiving, uh, against Chicago, digging themselves that hole. And they went up 7 nothing last Thursday night, but then could do nothing after that and scored a couple late touchdowns. But they were already losing that game, and they were way out of it. Uh, I just think the Cowboys right now, even in desperation mode, I'm not saying I love the Rams here, Holden, but as far as Dallas goes – I mean, this is a team that, yeah, seven and nine can win you the division, but it's just hard to back them at this point that this is a team that needs to score a bunch of points. And they are 0 and 7 this year when scoring 30 or less. And mm-hmm. when the Rams' defense is playing the way it is, I don't think that the Cowboys can win a low scoring game. I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that. But uh, it is the NFL. So who the hell really knows? But we are getting some good information from you on this. On the other side, Grant, a couple things I noticed just from DK here. Uh, First of all, Cooper Cup is 6,500. Robert Woods is 6,200. So I wonder if Cup might be the the GPP play there, although Robert Woods has just uh, been terrific. So let's start with that, and then I want you to get into Goff and whether or not you're starting to buy into him. So this is probably the best game on the entire slate for fantasy. Hmm. So I'm going to start off with Goff here, Um, just real simple. Every single good defense he went against, he was horrible. Absolutely horrible. We look at the stretch, Baltimore, Chicago, Pittsburgh. He did fine against Cincinnati and Atlanta, San Francisco. Like, the good defenses he's played in the last eight weeks, he's averaged about five points. The bad defenses, he's averaged about 22, 23 points. So he's going up against the Dallas defense that's not good, not great, um, but it's just kind of mediocre. And so Goff sitting there at 6,100 is a guy that can absolutely put up massive numbers. And they'll probably be passing the ball a decent amount. Then we look at the wide receivers. Cup, for his upside, 6,500 is way too cheap. Woods, what he's been doing recently, 6,200 is way too cheap. So both those guys, if Goff is going to see a large volume of throws in this matchup here, both those guys could potentially be in for a big game. We look at Higby and what he's done recently. With Everett out, 11 targets last week, eight targets the week before. Dallas gives up a lot of targets to opposing tight ends. Higby could be in for a massive volume. He's one of the few cheap guys on the slate and going to go largely overlooked because a lot of the higher-priced tight ends are very, very good spots this week. And then we look at Gurley. Dallas gives up tons of uh, receiving work to opposing running backs. Gurley, last four weeks, 23-19-25 carries. Going up against Dallas in a game where they could potentially be up with his t- potential touchdown equity, I know Brown's been snaking some touchdowns recently, but Gurley still has some touchdown equity in any given matchup here. And he's getting some receiving work and should get some receiving work here. 6K for Gurley when he's starting to look like he's going to get similar workload to what we've seen in the past. Absolutely too cheap. And then we look over at the other side. Can I just say Amari Cooper since he's at home? Just start I mean, there. you can. You can. <laughs> like, it's, I, Amari Cooper's not even my favorite guy. Like, I will – I believe that they will probably shadow him with Ramsey, 
And so there's a Gallup game. Like, we've seen massive games from Gallup multiple times a season. I mean, he has four 10-plus target games this season, and he's ended up with over 100. We know he can break off a deep uh, catch at any given time, and he has some touchdown equity. He is only 5.7K. If we see 10 targets to him, we're probably going to see 100 yards. We're probably going to see a touchdown. Going up against the Rams, if Cooper is shadowed by Ramsey, then Gallup is an absolutely fantastic GPP play with more upside at 5,700 than most of the guys have on the slate. Um, but if they're not going to shadow with Ramsey, then yes, Cooper, 6,500. We've seen him put up 30-point games before. It's pretty much with him. We know he's either going to get 15-plus or like five or less. He's very inconsistent, but they are probably going to be throwing the ball a decent amount in this game. Yes, the Rams' defense has been good recently, but this is clear mispricing on every single person in this entire game. Mm. I don't understand it, and this is my favorite game stack on the entire board, and I don't see that changing before the end of the weekend. And I don't know if people are going to fully buy into uh, Jared Goff and how good he's been recently when they're looking at his game logs and they see a six, a six, a six, a two in his last eight games. So this is probably going to go lower on than it should be. And I think this is going to be by far the best game for fantasy this weekend. Well, stop talking about it then. I'm sorry I asked you the question. We could get the ownership down a little more. You didn't mean bring up Zeke. We'll get to that in a second. What do you think about 48 and a half, 49 K Raj? This is a, uh, this is a healthy game total. Might be the highest total on the slate. Just looking at the numbers with the Rams holding and just going back to uh, at least defensively, that's uh, seven and one to the under the last eight for the Rams. And the over, the only over was that Ravens game, which was 45 to six and went over 47. So, you know, that one you could have argued could have been another under for the Rams. And for Dallas, it, it's just hard because their offense has looked really good against bad teams. And when they play good teams and good defenses, they score 15 against Buffalo, nine against New England, 10 against the Saints. That That's where it's really hard to make that, uh, make that jump and say that this is a team that can win a shootout against the Rams because I don't think it's going to get to that. But they also can't prove they go in a low-scoring game. And when you look at the totals, at least for the week, yeah, we're not seeing any 50s this week, which is kind of amazing, you know, going up and down the uh, – the, actually, Houston, Tennessee is at 50 right now. But uh, past that, the Rams and the Cowboys almost up there. I, I still can't see where it's going to go over the total. Yeah, second highest total. It's Houston, Tennessee. We'll get into that. Real quick thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott this week, Grant. Uh, I, he doesn't make my – probably any of my builds. I mean, he's priced there at 7.8. We got Henry, who's been fantastic at 85. We got McCaffrey a little bit cheaper than we've seen at 10K. We've got uh, Melvin Gordon's in there at 6.5. We have who else is there? Dalvin Cook sitting there at 7.9. There's too many other guys that are just better plays this week. And Zeke, we haven't seen do a whole lot pretty much all season long. I don't see the massive upside from him like I've seen in the past, and I just don't think he's really worth it against this Rams defense that's been pretty good recently. Rams at Dallas 425. Let's get it. Houston at Tennessee. This is a 1 o'clock game. Tennessee open, uh, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Now they're three-point favorites. I think that's very, very interesting, K-Rodge. Houston uh, looking pretty good last week. Tennessee, on the other hand, I guess everybody's buying into their little surge here, and I think that has everything to do with Tannehill and this offense becoming explosive. You know, it's funny that because uh, I'm based down in South Florida and we saw plenty of Ryan Tannehill over the years with the Dolphins, and it just seemed like he never made that jump. And in seven weeks, he's become the franchise quarterback, the Tennessee Titans they've been looking for that Marcus Mariota never was. And Tannehill has just made this offense click. You go back, the guy's had an over every single game. He started seven times or seven and oh to the over, which is unbelievable. And and these numbers that uh, the offense is putting up, I know they had a defensive touchdown against Oakland last week, but 42, 31, 42, 35, 27, 23 in the wins. And you can look back, and I know we can nitpick at every single team, and the Chargers should have probably beat them on that Melvin Gordon touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. The Buccaneers had that field goal return that was whistled down. The Chiefs had them beat, and they botched the field goal attempt, and Tannehill took them down. So I know Tennessee has escaped in some of these games that 
you can say maybe they shouldn't have. But the point is, they're in a position to win the AFC South. And they get Houston twice in the final three weeks of the season, just the way the schedule has broken. They haven't faced them yet. And the way Tennessee has played at home, that they keep winning, they keep rolling. They've only been an underdog once in this span, and that was to the Chiefs in that wild game. I know they allowed a ton of yards to Patrick Mahomes in that uh, contest. But at the same time, the way Tennessee is playing, it's just really hard to not back them. And for Houston, I get that they had the letdown spot against Denver, and Drew Locke played well last week, and they had the fumble return, which was very helpful to give them a 14-0 lead, the Broncos. And now Houston heads on the road where last time they were on the road, they went to Baltimore, and they got smacked in the face by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But this uh, you know, this Houston team, they do, do have a win at Kansas City on the road. They do have a win over the Chargers on the road earlier in the year. But uh, the way Tennessee's playing at home right now, and at least overall, they're moving along. And Derrick Henry's been great in the backfield. It's just hard to, uh, to to go on Houston right now. Yeah, my bad. I mean, it was uh, Denver just blowing them out after Houston got that great win against the Patriots. So, Grant, here's the guy I want to start with in DFS, and that's A.J. Brown. He has been absolutely explosive in two of the last three weeks, 26.5, then 7.5, then 36.6. Does, doesn't he have to be considered in GPPs? And how much can you trust him this week? I mean, I don't think you can trust him, but he, because of that, he has to be considering GPPs. We've seen such massive upside from him at any given time here. He can go for an 80-yard catch, a 70-yard catch at any given time. Tannehill Hill's been playing fantastic, and he clearly has a connection with A.J. Brown. So for cash, you can't consider him at 6K, but for tournaments, he's one of the better plays on the board here. We know how big his ceiling is, so that's – makes a perfect GPP equation here. And this is one of the highest total games, if not – it is the highest total game as of right now mm-hmm. on the entire board here. And Tannehill is showing big upside. And pairing him with A.J. Green is just the obvious thing to do. So, yes, we have to consider him for tournaments. And you have to consider Tannehill for tournaments too. Outside of that, like the other guy that I'm really looking at is Derrick Henry over on Tennessee. We saw last year they just – was smashing the second half of the season. And we're seeing it again, 27, 27, 32, 36, 24, or 25 rather, in the last five weeks. He has been just on an absolute explosion. His price is getting up there where people aren't going to play him. But when you consider it, what his floor actually is, which is probably 100 yards and a touchdown, like you're getting 18 points out of him there, and that's pretty much his floor. We don't see that too often with the running backs, and people tend to shy away from him because he doesn't get a whole lot of receiving game work. But we're seeing the same type of guy that we saw at AP multiple years ago when he had about 2,000 yeah. yards. Like I'm not saying that Henry is as good as AP. I'm not saying that at all, but how he's played recently, I think AP averaged around six yards a carry, but he was getting the workload that Derrick Henry is getting right now. So we could see a 150-yard game and two touchdowns for him any given week. So at 8.5, you're getting that floor and you're getting that 30-point ceiling that people just don't really see with other running backs because of the workload share that they get with other running backs and because of the way that just some offenses now run and they just don't run as much. Tennessee's shown the just propensity to run on every single game. Tannehill, he's been putting up these massive numbers. Last four weeks, 27 passing attempts, 22 passing attempts, 18 passing attempts, and 19 passing attempts. He's been hyper-efficient, but if he is going to throw the ball a lot, then he can put up a big game. We saw him throw 39 times against Carolina, put up 331 yards, and didn't even get that many touchdowns. Still put up a 28-point game because he can get stuff done with his legs too. So I think it's a spot where Tennessee, you're either taking Tannehill and A.J. Brown or you're going with Derrick Henry and you're safe on either one. Like one of them is going to go off. The other one's probably going to do fine. Hey, is Tannehill cash viable then? I mean, on FanDuel, he's 7,600. He's right there with Matt Ryan going up against San Francisco. On DraftKings, he's a little bit higher. I think he is the uh, one, two, three, four, fifth highest priced uh, quarterback. Do you feel comfortable the floor is there with Tannehill? I, I think I'm – I'm comfortable. Is he the top option? No, I'd probably rather go with Deshaun Watson just because mm-hmm. he's rushing outside, or I'd rather go down to Goff just because he's got a decent matchup here. It's a, it's a bit of a price of things too. He's at the point at 6,500 where he's probably priced up a little bit too much to be the top cash game option, but he is a guy that should end up with around 
should end up with a floor of around 20 points. So this is a good spot here. And I kind of want to wait and see what the weather's going to be like. We're getting at the point of the year where weather will have an impact on things and being in Nashville, we don't know if it's going to be cold. We don't know if it's going to be windy. We don't want to know if it's going to be wet. Like weather will have an impact. And considering that we have Goff playing in a dome in Dallas gives him a little bit of an upgrade. Hey, uh, Devin is our producer back in the Nashville studios. What's the weather this weekend? Come on, man, get it together. Real quick, uh, K-Rod's betting perspective on the total. It got bet up uh, from 47.5 to 49.5.50. Are you buying into this game becoming a shootout? It well possibly can. And when you look at some of the numbers on the road that the Texans have put up, they scored 28 in the opener against New Orleans, 27 against the Chargers, 31 against the Chiefs, 23 against the Colts. 26 in the game in London against Jacksonville. The only real clunker they've had on the road was at Baltimore, that 41-7 loss. So really, Houston can score on the road. And the way Tennessee has played, there's no reason to think why they can't do it. And just, I guess, a quick side note that we'll keep that in mind in two weeks when these teams play again in Houston, that if you have that high-scoring affair, maybe they'll jack the total up and then you go opposite the second time. Or if it ends up being a low-scoring affair this time, go over to the second so you kind of keep an eye on that for future reference coming up in week 17 but also with this Texan team just I guess on another note Holden that there's just been some games I know New England they were in control of that whole game Jacksonville they were but also you know the the Charger game early in the season they were down in the first half rallying the second half Leonard Fournette couldn't get the two-point conversion in week two that would have beaten them. The Raiders lost by three to them. They probably should have lost to the Colts at home. That This Houston team has snuck by in a lot of games, it feels like, this season. I know you can argue and say they should have beat New Orleans back in week one. They gave up that last second field goal. But this Texan team, it just feels like they've been living on the edge this entire season. And I, I just don't know if uh, you can trust them moving forward. This is a team that really – when it's all said and done, they could be the ones holding the bag when the playoffs hit and Tennessee wins the South and Buffalo and Pittsburgh are your wild card teams. All right, real quick, Grant, because we didn't uh, talk about uh, Hopkins, uh, Nuck Hopkins, and maybe you did and I just didn't hear you, but we got him. We got um, Duke Johnson, who has caught 11 of 14 targets the last two weeks. Still don't see the upside there, but uh, you got Hopkins at 8,000. On DraftKings, are you considering besides for Watson anybody? I mean, you'd have to pair him with somebody, right? Wouldn't that be Hopkins? Yeah, it would be Hopkins, and a lot of it depends on whether Fuller ends up playing or not. I think he should be fine. It's a hamstring injury, so those can always get reaggravated. Those can always linger a little bit. So if Fuller's out, I think you have to consider Hopkins. If Fuller isn't, I think you still consider Hopkins. This week, looking at it. With Mike Evans out for the rest of the season, I think everyone's going to look at Godwin there for $300 cheaper. So this is a potential slate where Hopkins comes in at drastically lower ownership. This game could go any number of ways. We've seen Tennessee get up big on opponents early on, and we've seen Houston get down big on opponents early on. And those are the cases where Hopkins is going up for massive games with Fuller's out. Then there's obviously a little left step there. It's not an easy defensive matchup, but with the lack of – other options in this offense, we could see Hopkins getting a 15, 14, 13 target game, in which case the ceiling is 150 yards and two touchdowns. So pivoting off of Godwin to <laughs> Hopkins is a beautiful move yeah. in GPPs, especially if Fuller's out. All right, we got a 225, uh, 425. I'm in, a, I'm in Denver. So 425 Atlanta at San Francisco. Niners, 11-point uh, favorites. I don't think there's been much movement at all in this game, k Raj. Um, San Francisco just steamrolling right now. Atlanta now down their second-best wide receiver option with Calvin Ridley. Um, the, everything's just working for San Francisco on both sides of the ball. And I know that they gave up 40 – what was it, 44 points? 46. Something like that. 46 to the Saints. But, I mean, that's an anomaly. That's one game there. So, 11's a nice no- – <laughs> 11's a big number, but Atlanta's going on the road playing outside against a team that's playing as well as anybody. They are, and I feel like it sets up to potentially look at the Falcons, and and uh, I'll tell you why. This is why we're here. <laughs> Off of the, do, you, do we just end it now? Just say Atlanta. No, please, please oh, let us oh, know. Oh, expound. Keep going. You're getting the big bucks for this. Come on. Yeah, exactly. This is why I'm sitting in the closet. So, uh, 
the last three weeks for San Francisco, as rigorous of a three-week stretch as you would see, Green Bay, Baltimore, and New Orleans, and they, they steamroll Green Bay on that Sunday night. They lose to Baltimore to last second field goal. They beat New Orleans at a last second field goal. So obviously they came out of this pretty nicely going two and one and your only loss is a non-conference game against uh, the Ravens. So that is uh, as well as it could have gone for the 49ers. Coming up for the 49ers, they get the Rams at home next week in a revenge game and at Seattle. Actually, excuse me, not a revenge game because they beat the Rams, but they still get the Rams at home and then at Seattle in a revenge game in week 17 that could be for the division depending on how things go now you have the atlanta falcons coming in who have a losing record and just aren't playing very well i know they came off a win over carolina last week but uh, atlanta who it seems like they've thrown in the towel feels like this could be the week to, to take this amount of points with atlanta because you know what holden last time they were a double digit underdog like this in the road they went to new orleans and destroyed the saints and this was off the bye week understandably but this is a Falcon team that we know they have the weapons. And this is not a team that has David Blau at quarterback or has any of these other guys that just you got no shot with, that you still have Matt Ryan. And they're coming off a 40-point effort against Carolina. And, yeah, they lost to New Orleans at home. They lost to Tampa Bay at home. But they are 3-2 and two the last five games, and that doesn't really mean a lot, uh, you would think. But at the same time, I just think this is a terrible spot for San Francisco, laying this amount wow. of points. And just because of what you have ahead, you have two big divisional games ahead. You're coming off this huge game at New Orleans, basically for home field, or at least it seems like it. That How do you get up, lay 11 against Atlanta? I, I think the Falcons got to be worth a look here with all these points. I think we saw that with Houston last week, too. I mean, they're facing a rookie quarterback at home against the Broncos. Boom. You know, really, the Broncos blew them out. It wasn't really that close of a game. Grant, um, I want to start with Calvin Ridley's replacement. So I, I listened to a lot of press conferences during the week, and Dan Quinn said that Christian Blake was going to be the guy to take over for uh, Ridley in that spot. So, you know, we've seen Russell Gage have some success too, but that was when Julio was down. Um, is it even worth a shot on Christian Blake who – you know, a couple of weeks ago when he was in there, caught six and nine targets, 57 yards. He's 3,100 on DraftKings. Are you going with any of these guys, Gage, Blake, uh, Akarias, whatever the hell his name is? You looking at any of these three guys? Uh, Blake's the one that I'm probably looking at. He's 3,100. Okay. Like, Gage, I would have a preference to if he were cheaper, but he's 5K. It doesn't really seem worth it. San Francisco has been the top pass defense in the entire league. So it's strictly getting the value with Blake, who's probably going to get there in garbage time. I assume that they're going to be trying to shut down Julio Jones. So that's just going to force targets to other guys. And Well, you can't really trust any of them. Blake sitting there at 3,100, a guy that had nine targets two of the last three weeks, granted he had zero in the other one, is a guy that you kind of have to look at. And I see a lot of people probably going with Julio in this matchup. He's 7K. I know he hasn't had his greatest season in the world, but he's still getting 10 points each and every single week and has upside for 30, even in a tough matchup like this where we just saw Michael Thomas go for a massive game. I think 35 points. So Julio Jones is definitely a guy that you can look at, even in a tough matchup going up against San Fran, because even if they scheme to try and shut him down, they schemed to try and shut down Michael Thomas. We'd all see how that went. Outside of him, the only other guys that I'm really looking at in this matchup are going to be Devonta Freeman, a uh, guy that is the main stake in this offense. He's a clear lead back. He's involved in the receiving game. He's getting 15-plus touches every single week and like has the potential for seven, eight receptions just because he couldn't end up getting those dump-offs in, late in the game. And then Morstead has been – or mustard has been fantastic recently. Like you just watch him play and he's been good. He's been getting more work in this offense, 10 rushes last week, 19 the week before little bit involved in the receiving game has some touchdown equity. No one wants to play him because it's essentially a three headed back in San Francisco. And so everyone tends to avoid these, but at 5.2 K you're getting a decent amount of upside. And then lastly, Kittle. Real quick, Grant, before you get into that, I mean, I almost look at, at Mostert at this point as cash viable. And you'll look at him, you'll look at efficiency, and you'll say, gosh, you know, he can't continue to be efficient. I just think there's some guys that are so efficient, and this is one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, numbers kind of say that someone's going to end up regressing 
mm-hmm. eventually. Like he's averaging over seven yards a carry in the last three weeks. Do I think that's possible? No. But <laughs> if he ends up getting 15 catches and he averages five yards a carry, gets into the end zone at 5.2K, that'll more than pay off value. Like Shanahan, we know him. We know his father. They always just spend all their time figuring out these incredible rushing schemes. And that's just what they sit and do. And they crush it every single week with every single running back. Like we saw Denver have multiple thousand yard rushers that who are these guys? We don't even know who they are. So they can do it with pretty much anyone. They're fantastic. And it's going up against Atlanta. They're 10 point favorites or whatever point favorites. And so I could easily see him being a hyper-efficient guy and getting six yards of carry with a potential for an eight yards of carry. You know, uh, K-Rodge, I'm looking at the total, open at 45 and a half, now it's 47. Um, my bad for not mentioning the injuries here. D Ford, out. So that's somebody getting pressure on the quarterback. Richard Sherman, out. Uh, Quan Williams, concussion protocol. I mean, these are this is a massive amount of key injuries on the Niners' side defensively that – you know, that could have a massive effect on this game. Um, you were talking about maybe going on the Atlanta side, they're getting 11 points, but how does that factor into this game and how does that factor into the total? Well, I think we're, I, I think number one, Holden, what we deal with all the time and it's what you guys deal with in DFS, it's everything, it is all perception that you look, oh, they scored 48 points this past week against New Orleans. They're going to score a ton of points again just because. And really, when you think of San Francisco, you don't think of, offense you think of defense mm-hmm. and the defensive numbers they put up and look they played Drew Brees in the Saints last week I mean nobody thought this was going to happen but uh, also they put up those points I mean the uh, the Niners put up 500 yards of offense I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and what he was able to do is probably more of the exception than the rule that Garoppolo will probably maybe take a step back and for Atlanta I know the defensive numbers have been ugly this year, but they've been better of late. And really the last five games, for the exception of that Tampa Bay game where they gave up 35 to the Buccaneers, the defense has been better for the Falcons. I just look at this game, and you mentioned with the injuries and with the total here that I got to think this one stays under, that you'll have a little more probably ball control with San Francisco here. I don't think Atlanta's going to go up and down the field necessarily. I mean, the 40 points they put up against Carolina before that, you know, they're scoring 18, 22, 29, 26. And even that Carolina game, they had a punt return for a touchdown. So Atlanta's not going to light it up uh, necessarily, even with San Francisco's injuries defensively. I just think that this is going to be one of those games that it'll be a little closer, but also low scoring uh, after we saw what happened in New Orleans this past week. All right, let's get on to our last game. It'll be a showdown slate for DFS, but uh, for you, K-Rodge, we're going to talk about the betting perspective and Buffalo at Pittsburgh. This game was flexed to Sunday night. Steelers open, one-point favorites. Now they're two-point favorites at home against a Buffalo team. Like, hey, they can't beat they can't beat anybody. They don't. They don't. Do, hey, they play the Ravens really, really tight. Um, let's start with this one here. Buffalo getting a couple of points on the road at Pittsburgh. Really good Buffalo defense going up against a rookie quarterback. Juju Smith-Schuster might be back. I'm not too concerned about that. But one thing that I like here is the Pittsburgh defense. They have really, really stepped up as the season's gone on. They have, and an extremely difficult game to handicap. And the NFL did a good job by moving this game to the Sunday night. You had Vikings-Chargers was the original uh, Sunday night game, and now this one has so many playoff implications behind it. And obviously Pittsburgh's not going to catch Baltimore in the north, but they still have a shot to get in the wild card. And when you look at the defensive numbers first for the Steelers, I know they had a couple interceptions on Kyler Murray last week. But 17, 13, 10, 21, 12, the last five weeks. Those are pretty good numbers for Pittsburgh. And Devlin Hodges is doing his job that don't turn the ball over, keep the Steelers in the game. And so far, he has done that. He hasn't lost a start so far since taking over for Mason Rudolph. And if that's the guy going forward, it's got to be the guy. He's going to win. And and this is the Steelers, what they've been able to do. This is their final home game, home regular season game of the season. we got to assume final home game as well because they'll be on the road in the playoffs. But uh, for Buffalo, when you look at what they've done, I know you mentioned, and and unfortunately this is what it is with them. They have nine wins, but you say how many 
of those wins have come against teams with a winning record. And the only one right now is Tennessee. And early on, you didn't think Tennessee would be that team because that was Marcus Mariota at quarterback in that 14-7 game. The Titans missed a bunch of field goals back in October, and that could have been a game Tennessee would have won. And I know we can't go to the, well, if Ryan Tannehill played, it would have been different. He didn't play. So Buffalo still won that game. But they lose to Baltimore last week, who we see what they have been capable of uh, offensively over the last few months. And I I just got to say for Buffalo, I'd probably side with them just Hmm. because they've been a really good road underdog. I know the only loss came to Cleveland in that 1916 game and Buffalo goes to New England coming up next Saturday. And that one, I'm not going to say we'll decide the division title because the Patriots will beat the Bengals. I mean, after they had the cameras in the booth, the Patriots will definitely beat them. Now that's what they needed uh, over the last or a few days ago. But for as far as Pittsburgh goes, they did come back to beat Cleveland two weeks ago in that revenge game. They held off Cincinnati. They held off Arizona I hate to say it like this, and nobody thought we would have the statement in Week 15, but you're stepping up in class now against Buffalo as opposed to some <laughs> of the teams you played. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but it's true. You're right. You know, I know it's funny, but it's true. And for uh, Pittsburgh, they've been rolling at home. Last time they lost a home game was to Baltimore back in October. I think Buffalo may get them here. All right, uh, we don't have the showdown slate up yet on DraftKings, uh, Grant, but it's going to be there with Atlanta and San Francisco, uh, with uh, Buffalo and and Pittsburgh. And I think there's just some players in particular that we need to talk about. Let's start with the Buffalo side. I mean, any upside there at wide receiver? What do we do at uh, running back? You'd think that Josh Allen's going to be pretty popular too. Uh, Buffalo side first. I mean, it's interesting with Josh Allen. So you look at his numbers and – generally home road splits are a lot of noise. Um, It's not with Josh Allen. Like looking at overall numbers on the season, 246 passing yards per game on the road, 179. The problem is it's almost strictly because of weather. Weather in Buffalo has been terrible almost every single game. And Pittsburgh, it can be the exact same scenario. It's probably going to be cold. It's a Sunday night game, which makes it even colder. The wind is what I'm more worried about here, and it's something you'll have to look at more as the week goes on and right before the game. If it's going to be windy, it gives me a little bit less interest in Josh Allen and his wide receivers. If it's not going to be windy, I think John Brown is a fantastic option to pair Mm. with Josh Allen. He's a guy that is getting a heavy volume of targets on pretty much a weekly basis. And you look at the home road numbers again, John Brown's a guy that relies a bit on the deep ball, like, Looking at his home road splits, 11.5 games per or points per game at home, 19.4 on the road. He's clearly the number one guy here. He can absolutely get it done. So in a game where there's some potential wind or without any potential wind, I love John Brown. If there is wind, it's a Cole Beasley game. Like again, he scored, what, at, six of eight? Uh, I think so, something like yeah, that. Yeah, three in a row and six of eight. <clears throat> yeah, and you look at it his home road numbers, it's kind of like he gets shallow targets. He's definitely a guy that's a big option in the end zone, but averaging 13.8 points at home because he's more of the dump off guy and only 11.9 on the road. So if this is going to be a win game, then Beasley's the guy that I end up going with. And it's probably him and Singletary because I'm guessing they're going to run on the ground. Singletary is averaging over five yards a carry on the season here. We look at the last three weeks, 17.8, 19.1, 15.4, averaging 17 touches a ga- or a rushing attempts a game. Getting involved in the passing game here, it's clearly his backfield. And these have been up against easy opponents. Baltimore, Dallas, Denver, good defenses. So Pittsburgh's tough defense isn't going to matter as much. And Singletary hasn't really been getting into the end zone too much this season. So it all depends on the wind. If there's not much wind, it's Allen and John Brown. If there is, then it's Singletary and Beasley. Uh, so I guess the, the wind will play a factor into this too, K-Rodge, and the total, which is sitting there at 36 and a half. I mean, this is just about, just about as low as you can go here on a Sunday night. I, I know NBC and the NFL are rooting for a, 56 and a half total, but uh, 36 and a half. How weather dependent is this? Do you have any skin in the game right now? I wouldn't. I, I'd stay away from it. I don't like these low totals just because you can have the uh, defensive touchdown, the special teams touchdown you don't really expect and can uh, mess things up. But 
I mean, we saw a few weeks ago was Buffalo and Denver played and two defensive teams, low total, and it went right to script and it stayed under the total. I mean, it, it, the only reason why you go over here is just to go contrarian, it's simply that. I mean, Pittsburgh's numbers, I mentioned what they've done defensively uh, before, and they're right now on a 5-0 and underrun. And when you look at Buffalo, they're on a 5-1 and underrun. The only game that went over in that span was against the Dolphins. In Miami, it was a low total. It was 37-20. to But we know Buffalo's excellent defensively. Pittsburgh's excellent defensively. Buffalo's not great offensively. Pittsburgh isn't great offensively. But we'll see if the Steelers get some of those guys back this week to uh, help out the offense. But I'm staying away from the total. But, I mean, you would say under because everything points to it. Over would just mean that that you're going to buck the trend. And I'm not comfortable with that. Join the club. Uh, so that's our five games there. Hopefully you got enough information to help you out in week number 15. Oh, my God. It's just gone. It always goes too quick, and we're coming down to the, the wire. Not in DFS or sports betting, though, because we can go all the way through the Super Bowl and betting and then through the conference championship games and even a showdown slate um, in the Super Bowl as well. want to remind everybody, hit the like and subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube right now. If you're not, uh, just go ahead and do it anyways because you've probably got a couple of minutes if you had enough time to watch this. Uh, K-Raj, why don't you uh, give us a little plug here. Uh, where can we find you? Where's the closet? Uh, what's the website? Give us everything. The closet is in the basement of uh, Holden Kushner's house. So I'm just it's not uh, true. Downstairs. That's where I am right now. Oh, oh, sorry about that. I thought it was a little yeah. loud in here. Yeah. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at V.I. Rogers, V-I-R-O-G-E-R-S, and also on VegasInsider.com and pass the football. We have plenty of NBA, college basketball. The Bulls are coming up in just a few weeks. So uh, we got plenty of those to preview, and there's about 100 Bulls. So uh, there's plenty of games to wager on and yeah so past football once it's done we still keep going with all the basketball uh grant you want to plug anything uh now i do a way too early podcast we did we recorded it last night the absolutely epic early week podcast you can find it on the rg page yeah so if you're looking for some football content and you're done with this and you need some more go ahead and check that out does it do anything for you that early in the week? I mean, it got me doing? on Marcus Johnson last week. Oh, look at you. Yeah. So I'll listen for an hour and I'll try and find that one player that separates it. You love it. I, I was on Deontay Johnson last week. I got lucky. Yeah. yeah, so was I. The problem is the rest of my lineup set. Every lineup I had him in, <laughs> the rest of it was trash. Oh, Devontae Parker was the one that kept me from really big money yep. last week. It was finally a good week, though. Uh, actually, it's been it's been pretty good lately. Not not to your extent, because you're probably placing about thirty times the amount of money that I am. But hey, whatever. I had a nice one percent margin last week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that's it. We're done. Devin back in the uh, Nashville studios. Great job, Grant K. Rod. You take care of yourselves. I'm Holden Kushner. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. Like and subscribe to Roto Grinders YouTube channel. Adios. We'll catch you next week, week sixteen. See you, kids.